what I've learned, what I've learned is that people will blow things up. It literally is. It's is. I've learned a bunch of you know really small tactical things. I've learned a lot about stress in people and what stress does to equations and how people act when they get under stress. And, the startup that's not performing is a pretty stressful thing. Hello and welcome to episode three of Trillions Podcast with me, your host, Elise Grace. Today, I'm interviewing Australian Shark Tank investor, Steve Baxter. What's impressive about Steve is that he's a thoroughbred entrepreneur. In 1994, when Steve was just 23 years old, he used 11,000 of his own money to start up an internet service provider business, which he later sold for $5 million. Steve then partnered with Bevan Slattery to launch Pipe Networks, which in 2010 sold to TPG for over $370 million. Steve is a highly experienced entrepreneur who is now giving back to other startups via his investment company, Transition Level. Be sure to listen into this episode to learn some valuable wisdom from someone who truly walks the walk. Thank you for joining me today. Um, you're quite an accomplished entrepreneur. Some would say a thoroughbred. You uh, you built and sold two companies in your 20s um, coming from the military. Would you mind telling the audience a little bit about your your background and how you started in the military at 15 and then um, and then you built those two companies? Yeah, sure. No worries. Thanks for having me on, Elise. Um, so I've, um, I'm a Queenslander. I was born in um, regional Queensland, a place called Cloncurry, which is out near where they filmed Crocodile Dundee. It actually wasn't filmed in the Northern Territory. I'm not too sure you're old enough to remember Crocodile Dundee. Elise. I remember Crocodile Dundee, yeah. No worries. Um, um, and then uh, spent a lot of time in Emerald and the Bowen Basin, where the world's best thermal coal comes from, and, and Rockhampton and central Queensland. So I'm a very proud Queenslander. I love our traditional industries as well as obviously our new industries now with, with tech startups. So I'm, I'm a bit of a I'm a bit of a mystery to a lot of people in this space because I think they can't quite pin me down, which is awesome. Yeah. Um, but at, uh, I was in Rockhampton, um, and uh, I suppose I, I, you know, always when you when you say you're 15 years old and you have a comment like I always wanted to be a soldier, um, but I had a, a desire to enter the military and I did that um, through the Army Apprentices Program at 15 in 1987. Uh, signed up for nine years, so you know what's more disgraceful than recruiting a 15 year old, giving them to sign a nine year contract. Wow. Um, so that, that scheme, unfortunately and unfortunately, no longer exists, I suppose. Yeah. I think it was a good scheme, but I know as a dad, I'm, when I look at, you know, I have friends, I have kids that are 15 years old, and think to myself, how the hell did that happen? Yeah. So, um, but, you know, I enjoyed it. did almost nine years, um, uh, regular soldier, very proud, you know. Um, uh, so that was, you know, it's, it, it, it had a large, I think it formed a large part of my approach to things now. Do you, um, do you think that the, I'll just interject, do you think that the military really um, forms people in terms of their, their strategic thinking and their, their habits? If they the habits, I don't think strategic thinking, I get asked the question a lot, what do the, the military sort of lend to my, my sort of post-military sort of life and career? Um, uh, you know, borderline alcoholism would be one. Um, no, I mean, you know, they, they lead to a lot of things. It's, it's, a, it's a place where you grow up pretty fast. Um, it, 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 it it's given me a few things. Like it's given me an absolutely poor attitude to anyone who doesn't pull their weight. I don't like people who turn up late. I don't like people who don't pull their, who don't, who don't pull their weight. Um, you know, in, in the military, these things would, would, you know, I don't like people who, who um, I suppose, don't operate in the best Australian spirit. So there's a term in the army called jack. It's about the worst thing you could be called. The jacket, you're a sly, go behind your back, sort of dobbin type person, if you know what I mean. And, you know, in wartime situations, those people would be murdered. Yeah. In a barracks situation. Well, beat up. So you know, you 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 had a um, a martial system, I suppose, um, uh, enforced by the culture. And, and, and this is none of this is bad. I might sound bad, but you know, we're, we're not there. We're not there to smell flowers in the military. We're there to you know seek out, close with, kill or capture the enemy. That was our role. Yeah. So um, 
I think that's you know, life too. I think in life we're, we're meant to innovate and create and, and move forward as a species and anyone who's slack and, and lies in bed all day or uh, doesn't pull their weight in a workplace is going to get killed. So I think that those... Well, yeah, figuratively, hopefully not literally, but yeah, so... Um, so and, and, and it's also, and I mentioned it's a large organisation. Um, it's a very, it's a very bureaucratic organisation. It's a very frust frustrating organisation. So, you know, it, it gave, me, gave me a sense of humour. Gives yeah. you the ability to laugh at yourself. So when things are getting tough, it's like, oh, well, you know, at least I'm not doing push-ups in the rain or something, if you know what I mean, or something stupid yeah. like that. So um, so I think I, I took out of that, um, uh, you know, an approach to business that was probably not quite the same as many others. It, it was not unique either. Um, so in our first business in Adelaide, which was a dial-up internet service provider, we had a, a very young, great workforce. And this is just, I mean, the last recession we had was 1991 and I started in 96. I started, well, I got to start the business in 94, but we started employees in, I think, early 96. Okay. Um, and um, I would describe the workforce back then as exceptionally compliant. Everybody remembered the recession. Everyone remembered 17% interest rates. If you know, on a, you know, it was, there were some really dire times, which unfortunately, I think we're, we're going to struggle to avoid at the moment. Yeah. Uh, how that manifests is probably the only thing that's up for grabs, but we're, we're, in, for a, we're in for a rough period. So... It was a different workforce. Um, that business went really well, and uh, you know, started that in uh, November '94. I left the army in September '95. Um, and uh, you started whilst you're at the, in the army. Yeah, yeah. Um, started installed 14 phone lines into a rented army married quarter. And <laughs> was that allowed back then? Oh, no, well, it was, I knew it wasn't going to be allowed, so I didn't even bother asking because you knew the answer. So it was a waste of conversation, if you know what I mean. They were just going to say no anyway. Um, so uh, I just went on and did it. And that's, I think, you know, I get a lot of questions about uh, entrepreneurs born and made and how do you just, you know, how can you, how can you pick an entrepreneur? And I, I, I like to say, I like to think, I think I've gathered that entrepreneurs are, um, you identify them because they're biased towards action. So that they're, they're not, they're not massive planets. They're, they're massive doers, if you know what I mean. Maybe, maybe Tom is a bit risky with that. Oh, just give us a sec, Steve. I think the internet's just um, lagging a little bit. It's probably in, in the entrepreneurial makeup as well. So um, that business there had, uh, ran that until um, we, we, we sold that in two tranches over about a year and a bit. It's in 99, 2000. Um, moved back to Brisbane um, at that point in time. That's a quick, old school. quick turnaround. What, what did you what did you sell that business? Who did you sell it to and what did you sell it for? Yeah, so we sold that business to a company called Osimar. In, um, well, it was Aussie Mail initially, then it got taken over by a US company, ended up being MCO WorldCom, so the second half, same group, but we got sold to WorldCom essentially. Um, and that was around about a $5 million Aussie check. It was in two parts and it was a little bit complicated, but it was around about $5 million Aussie. Okay. Um, the, and how, uh, how did you know it was a good time to sell? Um, well, we, we, had a, we had a near-death moment. Uh, so, so there's many, there's a few parts. So we had a bit of a near-death moment. Telstra at the time, we, we bought all our services from Telstra. Mm -hmm. um, every last, you know, and competed against Telstra. Telstra, Telstra has never, never been a force for good in this country, unfortunately, when it comes to competition. And we've replaced Telstra with MBN. And so we've just resettled ourselves with the, the biggest amount of stupidity ever. But um, they, uh, they had a, uh, an accidental issue in the way they, they, they programmed the equipment and the service. Just literally just, you know, we went from adding dozens of accounts per day to losing dozens of accounts per day it was that bad yeah so um and that was and we ended up they ended up fixing it we got a settlement got financial settlement but kept telling everyone about it all the time because who really cares um 
And then um, I thought, well, you know, if, if they can do that accidentally, the day they want to actually competitively take us out, we're buggered. Yeah. Um, so we, we made the decision to take some cash off the table, looked at selling the business. There were lots of bigger deals going at the time. I had, I had, I had peers in the industry who were selling for four and five times what we sold for. They were taking script in companies for future IPOs. Um, this is 99, so we took all cash. Yeah. Uh, and then, which I think was a good decision because dot-com one happened. And, yeah. Um, yeah. So that there were uh, there was there was a lot of lot of value destruction. Then, which you know probably in line with what we're seeing now. I think now it's going to be worse. So, um, so we got up with cash, which was nice. And unfortunately, back then that that um, John Howard hadn't yet changed the capital gains tax um, uh, system. And so, literally, you paid four marginal rates. So you paid fifty cents on the dollar capital gains tax. Oh no. Yeah, and they, I, I, eight months after we sold, they, they changed that back. So oh, they man, we're spewing. Yeah. Oh, it's gutting. I mean, that's uh, it, it was one of the things that surely turned me on the road to being libertarian and hating government, to be quite honest. Um, you know, you, you do all that, you pay all this tax over the years, you support all these employees, and then when you finally get to take a bit of a drink, and they just sit there. And, uh, Not to mention yeah, the innovation that's um, that's propelling the, the state or the country forward. Yeah, look. So I think that you know. So I think that the current. I actually think the current capital gains tax system is actually probably fair. Um, also, I don't like tax. I think that's um, uh, it's appropriate for for, for that. Uh, you know, so, so you know, twenty under twenty five points, depending on a few bits and pieces. So it's not too bad. So all that business started. Came back to Brisbane. Sold Pipe Networks. Excuse me. Started Pipe Networks with a, with an old schoolmate from Rocky. That was in two thousand and one. Um, and uh, what skills? Yeah. What skills did your uh, your your mate bring to the table? So Bevan, he, he was a, um, um, uh, so he was, he had another business in Brisbane. I'm pretty sure it was, he actually had, he had a dial-up ISP in Rockhampton as well, about the same time I did. Um, I think he was, a, I, I don't think that, for, for um, sort of various corporate reasons, I think it was, it, was a, it was a franchise of another group and that well. Then he started another business with, a, with another chap who went to school with a guy called Jason Gommersall, who has a business called ISIS. If you get the chance, you should interview Jason. He's a fantastic businessman. Okay. So they're in business together as well. So it was a wholesale sort of telecommunications provider. I did a bit of uh, content filtering and other bit. I can't remember exactly what it did. If I go too far, I'll probably get it wrong. No, I don't want to do that. So he had some, had some experience in, in entrepreneurship. I and mean, he is an amazing entrepreneur. I mean, he's gone on to list four or five companies exceptionally successfully and he's done exceptionally well. Um, so, so we started. The skills that you were looking for with him to, to bring to the table, what, what were they? Um, well, part was his idea, to be quite honest. So, I mean, he approached me. Um, I was at stage, I was probably six months out of business. I wasn't that keen to get back in the business, to be honest. Um, but it ended up, ended up, but that changed, ended up, coming, you know, ended up getting back in the business, I suppose. Yeah. So I was, uh, um, God, it's a long time ago. This is like, we're talking, this is like 2001. So given it's 19 years, so I just, um, I haven't delved back into these memories for a while. Uh, at the time, we were trying to get it funded from venture capitals, from VCs, just at the time that the dot-com one was just just imploding everywhere and there was no one was funding anything. So mm -hmm. we decided to fund ourselves. So we, we threw, I think it was 50 or 70,000 bucks each into a hat. And um, so we self-funded it, essentially. And we, we built Pipe Networks. Um, did our next capital raising. I think uh, we, we loaned that in as directors. I think our directors loans hit about 130 grand at peak each. Um, and then um, just we in May two. So yeah, May 2004, we did a pre-IPO capital raising. We raised half a million bucks nice. on a five million dollar number. Yeah, so um, this is why I, I rail against modern startup valuations because you know we, we our market cap was essentially valuation was essentially five million bucks, and we were forecasting to have about nine hundred thousand dollars in net profit, net profit after tax in that following June 30. Mm. Um, 
So we so there was only a five times PE ratio, which is astounding. We ended yep. up getting that. Um, we didn't we didn't make that nine hundred grand, and yeah, we made one point four million. Wow. So um, you know, it was always a very it was it was a simple business. People thought it was complicated, but it, it hard if you understood how telecommunications was structured, literally physically in Australia, but also in, in, in a corporate in, in a regulatory sense, it was a simple simple business. Yeah. So. Um, uh, or simple, simple concept of a business. You know, the, the hard things about business never change. The hard things, sales. Second hardest things, collecting money. Um, you know, then, then everything else gets harder after that. You know, if you, every, you know, everything in business is a challenge. If you don't want to challenge, you want to stay in the public service. That's a fun uh, challenge. It's a fun challenge. Yeah, it's going to be, be worthwhile. Yeah, it's like a, it's like a board game in real life, and some. <laughs> yeah, interesting pieces on the board. That's for sure. Yeah. So you built Pipe Networks, and then um, and then how many years were you were you building that before you before you sold? Yep. So we started that in two thousand one. Um, we listed that in two thousand five, May yeah. two thousand five. Um, I left as a full time executive in 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 two thousand eight. Um, There's only one job left for me, and and Bevan uh, uh, was doing a good job as CEO, and, and you know I was just time for me to get out of there, so I did. Went and um, hit reply to a, 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 an email I received probably two years before about going to work with Google in California. And I thought, oh, this, this, I literally thought, well, this guy can no longer work there. And I'll hit reply anyway. Yeah. Uh, it was one of those sort of recruiting um, people. And uh, the other thing was, is it was after a uh, the role required you to have at least a bachelor's of computing, if, if not a master, prefer, preferably a master's of some advanced computing science master's degree. And I thought, well, I didn't finish high school, so there's going to be a problem there. So I hit reply. <laughs> And um, I said, no, no, come over for an interview. So I flew me over for, you know, I was in, I was in the US for like 15 hours for this interview. Um, never followed the US for 15 hours. That's just stupid. Um, I think I've still got the jet lag from that trip. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, and you know, in, ultimately they offered me the, the, a role. Um, when, I, when I started, so we got there in September 2008 in California. So there's like three weeks after Lehman Brothers went tits up, if you know what I mean. It was an amazing time to get to the US. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, a walk day one walked in and they, they changed my job whilst I was in flight. And I said, Surprise, here's a new job for you. Oh, cool. Not like I've come from Australia for this. No. Um, it was a tough, it was, it was hard. It was literally, it was going from sort of um, being in this sort of international capacity. Because we, at that pipe networks, we ended up building a, we, one of our projects was to build a submarine cable between Sydney and Guam. So we took our on terrestrial fibre and we went to, into the submarine area. Yeah. Um, I was being brought on for, for, I suppose, capability I built up in that space. And then when I got there, they said, well, we, we've got another, another job for you. And, um, and, uh, and, and the guy introduced it to so that you're there. And the first week I was there, it was George Lucas's ex IT manager from Industrial Light and Magic. This, this chap introduced, he was my mentor for the week. Oh, how cool. And, uh, yeah, and he, before I learned his name, he saw my name today. He had this little stupid name board around him, a little stupid hat they give you for the first week. It's like, Google. Yeah, so that's some pathetic US hazing ritual from university or something. It's just a bunch of kids. But anyway. Okay. Um, and um, he said, you know, when I heard the job they gave you, I wasn't too sure whether to laugh or cry. Uh, well, my name's Stephen. Nice to meet you. Yeah, oh, great. So I was, I was, I was handed a hospital pass, essentially. And it was, it was a pretty hospital pass. But, you know, it ultimately, uh, I only spent a year at Google. A year and a day, as it turned out. Um, because we got the offer for Pipe Networks to be acquired by TPG Telecom. Mm -hmm. And if I remained in California, I would have been exposing myself to pretty vicious Californian capital gains tax. Well, there's a double taxation between Australia and the US. 
yeah. individual states and, and even counties and cities over there have the, a lot of them have their own capital gains tax. California oh, doesn't. Wow. So as well as paying, yeah, as well as paying CGT in Australia, would have been forced to pay. I think it was eight point nine five percent CGT in California, and they they weren't getting, they weren't getting that as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. So you, what what did you sell for? And then and then um, uh, I'm really interested to know what you invested in after you after you sold. We listed that company at uh, forty cents in May, two thousand and five. Um, just prior to the GFC, we hit four dollars eighty. Nice. Just in the GFC, we hit one dollar eighty, and then about fourteen months later, we sold for six dollars thirty. Uh, nice. Everyone can just look. It's a, I'm not going to repeat numbers out later. Everyone can work out what what, what we may or may not have gotten out of that. Um, but it was it was a, a substantial windfall uh, from that process, and it settled in March two thousand and ten. Um, and uh, yeah, so what I've been doing since then, I've planned to do nothing for a while. I thought, you know, I've, you have this amazing windfall. Um, I just wanted to have a think about it for a while. And I, was, um, I didn't really have a desire to get back into business again, to be honest. Um, did, you, so, did you invest the money right away or did you let it sit in the bank account? What, what did you, because you was a few, um, a few bank, million. bank accounts were getting like eight, nine percent interest too, right? So letting the bank account was easy, if you know what I mean. So I, I, we ended up, um, we ended up uh, contracting, um, not contracting, we ended up using three separate um, uh, fund operators or, or private wealth managers, essentially. We're down to two now. We, we, got, we shot one because they were hopeless. Yeah. Um, and, and the majority is actually one, which is Macquarie. They've been really good for us, to be honest. I don't dare look at it at the moment in the last week. I just like, I'm not going to look at that for a year. <laughs> yeah. I think it's just absolute festering mess. Yeah. But um, so, yeah, for, for the most part, you know, so a large you know, part of their family wealth sits with, with those operators, and, you know, we give them a target return, and, and they go off. And for the most part, they do quite well. Um, so you're pretty hands off in terms of your your investment. You you trust entrust the professionals to do it, and, and you focus. Well, I, I do. Well, I do now. I mean, in the first few years, I, I was probably you know, I was all over a bit more. You know, hence we we went from three down to two, and as we understood who was good at what. Yeah. So, um, but then, then then there's the what we do here in in, in you know, transition level. What we do with the office here, where we invest in tech startups. So the vast majority of their wealth somewhere else, and then we have tech startups. Yeah. Um, and you know we invest in a variety of things. We've learned a lot over the years. We've got thirty-five direct investments. Now the twenty we manage on behalf of a bunch of other investors. Okay. Um, so. So transition. Uh, why did I mean? I know that you're really passionate about giving back, Steve, and obviously a proud Queenslander. Um, your resident um, chief Queensland chief entrepreneur. So obviously you're, you're heavily invested in the state and, and um, uh, you're very passionate about entrepreneurship because you're, you've had great success yourself and now it's lovely that you're, you're giving back to other startups and entrepreneurs with your wisdom and, and also cash investment. So um, I guess why did you start? That's probably a reason why you started Transition Level, but um, is there anything else behind why you want to help other people with their, with their startups? Um. I don't want to be in business again, although I've got a business here. I, we run an investment firm, so it is a business. It's a, it's a very, very weird business. Um, I made myself exceptionally unhealthy through my businesses. Where you know, I figured that the, the way you'd be successful is you work lots and you, you, know, you eat at your desk and you eat crap food, basically. So I had a great time. You know, I went from being a reasonably fit soldier to basically putting about 50 kilos over a few years, to be honest, which is you know, wow. not something you should do, but it was a lot of fun at the time, let me tell you. Yeah. So, um, and I've, I've since reversed that, thankfully, at least reversed the vast majority of it. Um, so, you know, I, I don't know, I, 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 I cling on a bit too hard and I probably, um, 
I didn't really want to do the journey. You know, I, having one successful business is tough, you know, and, and I, I, I was lucky enough to have two and, you know, um, well, my business partner's gone on to have, have, have a good deal more, but you know, for me, it's one's a bit of a rarity, two's, two's quite rare and any more than that, you, 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 you know, you, you quite rightly should be, um, you know, <laughs> yeah, so I didn't really want to risk everything on, on you know, in just a, the, uh, I suppose, the personal impact it has as well. And in the last six years, we've managed to have a family, which is nice. Um, yeah. so, um, so I'm glad that I'm not running a business in you know, 60 hours a week. Yeah. So you help other people run their businesses? Yeah, I invest in other people so they can knock themselves out and make themselves unhealthy. That's what I yeah. do. Uh, so yeah, um, I told my mum I was interviewing you today, actually, and she said to ask, um, what, how do you know that something's a good investment? How do you know... Um, when you when you're looking at a person and and their startup, if it's something that you want to put cash into or not, um, uh, you don't really know to be honest. So there's a lot of things we go through. Um, so we 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 I suppose for us what's easier is we identify red flags. Why wouldn't we invest? So we inv only invest in certain things. I mentioned to you before. Then uh, we, we we invest in tech startup software network um, supported businesses. So you know uh, my, my new saying is if you wrap it, ship it, cook it, franchise it, it's not us. Yeah. Um, so. The physical yeah. is kind of out for you guys. Yeah, you know, you can't scale. I mean, people misunderstand the term scale. To me, scale means that for every extra dollar in revenue you can get, it only costs you one cent. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, it, it's and only software can do that, to be honest. It'll probably marijuana or heroin or something as well, but, you know, <laughs> not, not that I'd not be. You still have people who need to make sales, <laughs> physical. Oh, yeah. So, well, we were, we're talking we're talking above the line expenses here, um, um, essentially so um so we don't so you know we all and so we, we, we there's a certain niche of investments that we go for in that space there so we exclude a lot of things um and then we we invest somewhere between fifty thousand and five hundred thousand on the first check you know average of about 300 grand and so we usually try and invest in what we call the seed phase um so that was and, and we we try and invest in what we call traction so traction's an interesting thing people say, you know if the best traction a business can have is profit and if you've got profit you probably don't need me yeah. um the second best traction is um revenue um and then the third best traction is usage i mean we've got a great business out there with eight to nine million users flip champ they have a video editing software suite and you know, they have some revenue but you know um there's a lot more to come um yeah they have actually had all these millions of people sort of taking their time to use this tool and, and that, that usage and attraction is really important. So we, we, we like businesses that have tried something, uh, they've tested it in the market, the market's telling them something, something positive, uh, and they're following that. We will occasionally invest in what we call post idea startups. This is not even pre revenue. This is post idea. Well, that sounds like a good idea. And, and you two are pretty, pretty capable individuals. Right, here's 18 months worth of wages. Go on and go and investigate this. Okay. So you know, we've done that once. We like to do it again more. It's hard to find the people. So we don't. So to answer your question, we don't so much invest in um, ideas and businesses. We actually we do invest in people. We've learned that people are very important in that equation. Um, so, so when you're looking at like a a, a team of people and and um, you know the people who are going to do the running around and making the business work and then the business. Do you have a formula? Like, is it 50% the person, 50% the business, or is it just a case-to-case -case basis? Case-to-case -case basis, yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. So, what's been a what's been a business that you've invested in that that really hasn't worked out at all? And what's some things you've learned from that? Talk about the ugly children, do you? <laughs> you don't. Um, but we've all got them in our portfolio. It doesn't mean we 
And, you know, you can't do that because it, it's typically. But it, what have you learned it, from those? What I've learned, what I've learned is that people will blow things up. It literally is, it's, is, I've learned a bunch of, you know, really small tactical things. I've learned a lot about stress in people, and what stress does to equations and how people act when they get under stress. And the startup that's not performing is a pretty stressful thing. Um, and I've, I've learned just, just, just how ugly people can be with, with what they do. Um, you know, we've learned, you know, we learn a lot of red flags about what's good and bad in business. And if we see certain behavior, we just go, yeah, no, that's just a forward indicator of some really shitty attitudes in that person. What's a, so, what's bad attitudes or, um, or habits? I know that one of your pet hates is when people are in the early stages of the business are taking big wages, a couple of hundred thousand per year, rather than reinvesting in the business. What's, what's something else that you look at? Uh, in our space, because we're, 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 very much, we're very much trying to leverage technology to get scale. If we, we'll get people to sort of say, well, you know, I don't really, I, I'm just a business person, I don't do the tech. And when we're talking about tech, we need, we need, we need a, a good tech competency in, in, a, in a core founding team. And, and the laziness of people not to understand this, you know, technology is simple. It's not like, the thing about building stuff with software and computers is, it's not like you've got to pull out a wrench or a gas axe or a welder and actually build something and actually you know, manipulate metal or chop down a tree or pour mm. concrete. You type some stuff on a computer. If it doesn't work, you undo it. You work out what their fault was and you redo it again. Oh, then it works. I was doing this with my daughter last night in code camp. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. you, you, don't, you don't damage anything with the computer. So, and the fact that people will, will just gleefully sort of say, well, no, nah, that's just for the nerds or something. I'm like, yeah, look, no, I, don't, I don't know if I like you that much. Yeah. Um, obviously, don't get how this works. So not that everyone has to do that, but it's just those sort of attitudes. I don't like people who are blase with money. I don't like people who, who take the same approach to, to finances and accounts saying, oh, that's just the finance stuff. We'll let the bookkeeper work it out. You're not getting my money. So, um, so there's, you know, you're saying it's good for them to have a good understanding of everything. They don't necessarily have to work in everything, but just understand the moving parts. Well, everything, Jesus, but the important stuff, the money, the bank balance. Yeah. You're a fucking moron, excuse me. Um, you know, if if if, you, if the technology is at the core of your business, and you don't get it. You know, probably, and you're a senior executive, and you probably don't get it. Then you, you don't deserve to be in that business. So you know, it is definitely everything. But there's some bloody core cool things that, that, will, that will make and will stop your business from working. Mm. So they're the ones. Yeah, and uh, your River City Labs T-shirts, because um, you, you're founder of River City Labs, the the co-working space in Brisbane. Um, say, is, is execution is everything? Yeah, so you're it's exactly I mean, that, that, that goes back to our thing about traction. You know, we, we like to look at traction, and um, so you have all the good ideas you want if you can't execute them, they're just nothing to be honest. That nothing yeah. it doesn't matter if you get the most world's best invention if you can't actually deploy it, get it out there, get the hands of customers, and it just it doesn't matter. Shit. Yeah, okay, so um, so you're obviously investing some of your capital in, in other businesses and other people and their ideas. Um, you said that you've got a private wealth managers. Is there anything else that you like to invest in? I, I know that you, um, you, you've got some property, but um, how, do you, how do you personally uh, invest your money um, to make sure that when you're 80, 90 years old that you've, you've looked after yourself and your family so that you, you don't have to stress about finances? Uh, well, it's not super. Um, <laughs> I'm with you there. I'll just check the rules again. Um, what we do with super in this country is just stupid. If you're going to have a super system, at least have a senior. Just don't change the goddamn rules and see it for retirement. Um, so no, we, we've. Uh, I'm not going to probably. I'm not going to discuss the. the, the, the you don't have to go into the private details, but. The um. Needless to say that. Uh, well, 
Well, if you were yeah. to give advice, if you were to give advice to someone like me, I'm 30 years old. Um, I'm, I'm actually just getting started in my entrepreneurial journey. And uh, I want to make sure that I'm okay when I'm 80, 90 years old and not, not um, crossing my fingers that my superannuation is going to get me through. What would you say? Own, to your, own your house. Okay. First deal. How do you, how do you, have you, have you heard the, 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 have you heard the phrase about how to, how to eat an elephant? Uh, one bite at a time. Bite at a time. First bite should be own your house. Get okay. debt free. Um, that's an amazing, I, I recall, that's, it's an attitudinal thing too. There's a, a, probably a good little story out, out of Shark Tank actually. I, we were having a, a discussion in between pictures one time. And um, I, remember, I remember the day that we paid our house off. And it was our first business in Adelaide and we, we became debt free or mortgage free anyway. Mm. And um, that to me was just a day of clarity. Like all of a sudden, I actually started my, my decision-making process philosophy and, and the way I did that changed because I, it was like a weight off my shoulders. And it was curious. And, and uh, Andy Banks actually said, not words to this effect, but you know, he, he actually has his most clear and most focused moments when he's debted to the eyeballs and he's under pressure. So it, there's definitely a, um, there's a personality thing going on there. Yeah. Um, but uh, you're starting out, Secure, secure the base. Yeah. Um, yeah, I can imagine that um, having your own property and, and having it fully paid means that you always have a place to go to. You always have a place to live and sleep. And um, perhaps that's a, a primal subconscious thing that um, your cave is safe and you, you know that your family is safe no matter what. Perhaps that's, that's, um, that's where it's coming yeah, from. In, a, in an economic sense as well, it's, if you've got that, it, it, it typically in Australia appreciates over time. You know, we probably relied on it a bit too much, but it, it never usually comes off that badly at the same time. Housing, unless you bought up a house for a million bucks during the coal boom in Moranbar, and now it's worth sort of hundred grand, you're in trouble. But that was always a silly bet to start with. Yeah. But, you know, if you're buying, if you're buying reasonably sort of average center of the center of the curve properties in in a in a in a, in a, in a metro area, you're probably going to be okay. It's, you know, it'll it's probably fared better than the share market at the moment. Yeah. So. Uh, you know, so it's, it's a nice stable asset that you can use to leverage and, and grow and you can then borrow against in the future, maybe to start a business and do sensible things. Um, so, you know, and then um, with respect to entrepreneurial journeys, as I, I say to a lot of people, is you've just got to start. The hardest thing about starting is starting. Yeah. Uh, you've just got to do it. And then after that, you know, the, the only really hard thing about a business that you have some competency in is selling. Mm. Selling is tough. Um, if you can't sell, um, then you're in trouble. That's even worse than you know, not knowing about your money, not knowing about your technology. You've got to be able to sell. Um, and after that, collecting money and then you know, customer, you know, all the problems, you know, there's still problems there, but it's not, not as important, I suppose, after that. If, you, if you've got sales, you've got what we call high, high quality problems. Yeah. So, um, you know, revenue fixes a lot of problems. So, how if people uh, aren't the most confident salespeople, they they actually shit salespeople, uh, or they um, they have a fear of of failing um, in that regard with, with sales or getting rejected um, or they are a bit clueless with how accounting works and business structures. Where do these people start with learning, learning these skills? Um, well, I mean, online, you come in, nowadays there's that much information online that's astounding. So there's places you can learn. Um, Google. So <laughs> Google on sales, it depends, you know, it depends what sort of sales your business does. There's, there's, different modes of how people interact with customers, B2B, B2C, et cetera, et cetera, you know, product-led growth. So um, you've got to get good at it. Um, if you're bad at it, stop being bad at it. Go out there and, 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 and be good at it. Um, 
selling, learn how to sell. It's like, I hate selling. I've, I've had to do it over the years. I'm not good at it. Yeah. Um, I find it, I'm a techie, so actually I find it a tough process, but it's just something you have to do. Um, so there's no excuses for that one. There's no excuses with respect to, you know, I, I understand in accounting how, how a P&L on balance sheet and cash flow work. We're not talking about, you know, we're not talking about master level economics here or anything like that, right? But, you know, if you, you have to understand uh, accrual accounting uh, and a cash flow. Um, you have to understand the importance of reconciling your bank account. I think you know, pretty simple, pretty simple stuff. Yeah. And on the tech, you know, it, it's tech relevant to your business, if you know what I mean. So if your business uses software to provide a service, you, you have to have an understanding of that. Yeah. You need to be able, you know, you, you should you should have enough competence in, you, in your founding group to, to be able to build the first dirty copy of whatever you want to do. Is it going to be perfect and polished? No, mine never was. My God, my, my first the software I wrote for my businesses was horrible. Yeah. Um, but it worked. Uh, was it efficient? Was it secure? Security is more of a modern issue. It wasn't a big issue back then. Yeah. Um, so, uh, but you know, I managed to bring in um, staff to make it better. But the fact I knew how it worked and I knew the basic building blocks, I knew when they were feeding me a line of shit, I could say, well, no, it's not how you do it. Do it this way. It's faster. And because, you know, computer programmers, they're like, they're like bloody artists. You know, even, even, even Leonardo da Vinci said the Mona Lisa wasn't finished for Christ's sake. So they, they'll never finish something if you give them half the chance. So, um, but you've got to have that, that, that base level of competency where you can say, no, okay, no, you're doing it the wrong way. Okay, do I know that? You know, do you know the intricacies? No, but for God's sake, I know that if you do this, this, and this, it'll work. So start doing those things. Um, so then having, having it, that level of understanding. And, and, and so when, when you go out to an, if you go out to external, because a lot of times you go to external uh, consultants or, or contractors to do stuff, you know, unless you know what you're asking for from them, you're just up for being sent a bill for, for something you, you won't like. So, you know, you need to know how that stuff works before you engage other parties. So just Sorry. this is the importance of understanding what you're doing and having that base level of understanding and getting the product up and out there and, and working as a proven concept. And then you can tweak and refine and polish and make the graphics pretty later. Yes. Yeah. Well, that's good to know. We just, uh, we just launched our online school and it's certainly not polished, but there's a sales page, it's functional. Um, people can understand what the product is about and buy in um, at this time. And, and that's all that matters to us. And we can tweak and refine as we go along. But that feeling, no. once we got it live, it just felt so good just to have it have it done. But I'm thinking it needs to be, you know, all the ugly should be on the back end, not the front end. You know, um, because the, the, the front end's about how you acquire customers and how people continue and, and buy it for that traction. So. If, you, if you're going to have ugly and, and, and unsightly, you have that at the back end, not the front end, right? Um, you want yep. people to see the. It's still quite pretty. It just um, it's very minor things that we that we'd like to fix with the regards. It's people people probably wouldn't notice what we want to fix on the on the front end, but um, we can certainly see it. Okay, cool. So um, a quick question about mindset, Steve. Um, people talk about the entrepreneurial journey is lonely. It's hard. It's um. It's, uh, it's stressful and the, you know, the iceberg memes and, and pictures and things like that that say what people see and, and don't see with regards to entrepreneurship. Um, do you think that in this day and age, we've overcomplicated it when it comes to building a business? Do you think that, um, that the business it can be simple or thought of as simple or do you think it is actually a complex process? Overcomplicated. I mean, there's a lot more information. Have we overcomplicated? No, there's a lot more information out there. I think that... There's a lot more bonnets have been open, and people are willing to show off what they're doing and stuff. So I actually think that there's there's a plethora of of really helpful resources out there. So yeah. you know, I, what this current crisis is going to do is it's going to expose a lot of 
fair weather entrepreneurs. It really is. Uh, I heard one term saying that you know, the, all the entrepreneurial tourists are about to go home. <laughs> okay, that's so, great. Yeah, and, and all and all everyone else is going to get serious now. Like now we are now we're going to get serious and and start being, um, you know, we're going to get rid of these these poodle fakers, <laughs> poodle fakers. You know, in, in term, sorry, but um, <laughs> and so uh, no, the information's out there. Um, we're, we're about to see, we're about to see less, less revenue, less less investment capability, less a bunch of other stuff. So um, you know, we it's going to be a, a tough old world for a while. That's for sure. Are people like you doubling down, Steve, or do you think it's a good time to, um, like, would you say? We're still, we're still investing. We're, we're still investing. We're keen. Um, we think that there's, you know, in a, a sort of seven or eight years ago, I think that startup valuations, especially in Australia, were too low. They've, they've recovered a lot in the last sort of seven or eight years to, to the point where I think they were just getting a little on the, uh, they're approaching the high side of the dangerous side of high. Mm. So there's, a, there's, a, there's a zone that we invest in with respect to valuations. Um, so, uh, we don't like them too. I don't like them too low. Um, they're, they're both problematic. They really are. So, and we, we think they were getting too high. And there was there's a lot of, and which is good. It's great. It's a market. You know, we we had to invest out there if we wanted to be in those deals. Everyone else was paying that, so we we had to make that. We had to decide whether to pay it or not. Yeah. Um, and that's just how you know markets swing. So, for anybody out there who doesn't understand how investing works, angel investing, um, you basically put money into a business for a, a share of the the company. Is that correct? Yeah, by equity. So, a lot of um, there's a lot of silly sort of uh, terms in this space. It's like you know, no one of my pet hates. Someone says, "Will you give me money?" I said, no, I'll give my kids money. What I'm going to do with you is, if I'm going to invest in you, I'm going to buy equity in your company. You are going to sell it to me. And you better start understanding that relationship. This gets back to the sales point. Is that you know, if you were selling widgets or software or services before, and you, you now think, like, I need to go and raise some capital, which means I have to sell shares in my company. Instead of selling the services my company produces, I'm going to sell a chunk of my company. So you stop selling your mainline thing and you start selling your equity. And it's a long, hard process. If you get it wrong, it'll be value destructive because you've taken your eye off your normal sales. You're now trying to sell your equity. Yeah. And all through that process, the investors are going, right, how's business going? The business is going really badly now because all of a sudden I'm selling my shares, not my services. Right, yeah. okay. Business is going bad. Why am I investing here again? You know, it's a, it's a, you have to understand that, you know, and it, because it's a sales process, you should use all the sales tools, CRMs and other bits and pieces, you know, uh, tracking systems. You know, it, it's, it's the most complex, hardest, longest enterprise sale you'll ever do is selling equity in your company. Okay. Um, so yeah. approach wearingly, where, and if you approach it with that mindset, with that sales mindset, or sales tools, because you've learned to sell, because obviously we've got through that bit, you've learned to sell, you have to sell, is all those tools out there to, to um, you know, to get your outcome. And how can somebody choose a good, partner or uh, somebody who's um, a wise person to have invested in their company. Um, I, um, I was chatting with uh, an entrepreneur in another podcast who said that he probably made some wrong decisions with who he invited into his company. So how, how did the business side, how do we know that we're inviting in um, a quality partner to partner with? Basically, yeah. Um, so there's lots of investors out there. We won't invest. If they invest in a company, we won't go anywhere near it. We know that's just that there's just some ugly people in this uh, in this space. To be honest, not many, but there's yeah, there's some. So um, uh, research, you know, uh, find other people they've invested in and ring them up and say, "Hey, you've got so and so as an investor. What are they like?" Yeah. It's like, run to the hills. You know, <laughs> so, um, uh, and we've seen some horrible we've seen some horrible behaviour out there. We really have. So um, yeah, a lot of so, times VCs get. Termed as a vulture capitalist instead of venture capitalists. 
Um, yeah, well, you know, um, the, the other thing too is like, it's a market, right? And, and you know, this, okay, so back to the sales point, right? That if you're out there trying to sell your equity to raise capital and none of the customers are buying it, how the hell is it the customer's fault? If no one's buying your product, you don't blame the customers. Oh, they don't know what they're doing. They don't know they need my product. They keep refusing to buy it. I mean, what a stupid conversation that is. You say, if, if investors aren't investing, well, you know, what's actually, sorry if my computer is banging on you. Um, um, so if investors aren't investing, they're saying, we're not going to buy our equity because we don't like something about it, whether it's you or your company, your market, blah, 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 whatever it might be. They're not wrong. You actually, you are. You have to understand that. So, um, uh, so you know, do you get picky about who you sell your services to? And then, so do you get picky about who you sell your equity to? But there is a general rule: is it, is it the, you know, the less plutiful they are as an investor, so, 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 the, so, so the less non-monetary value they bring alongside their investment, the less control or say they should have in your company. Yeah. So that, there is that sort of matrix to, to figure out. Yeah. Oh, great, great advice. Uh, Steve, a random question. What, um, what book would you recommend? You want, what would be the number one book that you'd recommend to uh, early stage entrepreneurs read? One book. Um, I, I've got, I've got uh, one book. People hate, probably hate me for saying this, but there's a chap called Michael Gerber who's got a book called The E-Myth. Yeah. Um, where it's about process procedure and a bunch of other stuff. And, um, so there's lots out there. I mean, you know, there is, I, I don't like reading business books, to be honest. If I'm going to burn my time with a book, I'm going to make, I, I like space opera and star sci-fi and zombie apocalypse and all this sort of stuff. Yeah. Post apocalyptic world, you know, the, the Corona world is my favorite world at the moment because there's a lot of the books I read. Yeah, I was saying, um, my partner, it's just like a, it's just like a movie, the virus, new movie yeah. called the virus coming out of Hollywood. Um, it is very interesting times what's going on. But there's good books out there. So like, you know, um, in the investing space, venture deals, Brad Feld, um, Another co-author, can't remember the guy's name now, but Venture Deals. Um, Jason Calacanis's book, Angel, is actually quite quite good. Um, Jim Collins, Good to Great, that's interesting. Um, mm -hmm. Jim Collins has quite good books as well. So, you know, they're, they're, um, you know there's, there's, there are some good ones out there. But I read a lot of excerpts and read a lot of blogs. You just read, you consume, yeah. you know, you can consume content in six, ten-minute chunks nowadays, which I, I find more convenient as well, rather yeah. than sitting down with my book. So you, you think that learning is important to continue, always be learning? Hmm. Okay. It helps or informing yourself, that's for sure. Yeah. Yeah, learning, I suppose you call it learning, yeah. Consume do content. You have any, yeah. Do you have any habits that you, you perform each day? Like um obviously in the military one of them is is making your bed and it has to be done a certain way every morning. Um do you have any uh habits that you do every single day that you that you raise? Every every soldier wants to know the barrack blocks like stop making their goddamn bed. Nothing <laughs> worse than a goddamn bed every morning. I don't I, I don't see that as a point of discipline it was just a point of frustration stupidity it's one of the things in the army should get rid of um look i i um i got up with the dog i've got a bit of a vampire gene as soon as the sun gets up i tend to wake up and burst in the flames so i just can't sleep and i'd love to be able to to be honest um so i get up in the morning walk the dog uh that's at 5 a.m here in queensland um um it's sort of 4 30 in the summer because no, no daylight savings unfortunately yeah. Um, the kids wake up, so we get to feed the kids. That's a lot of fun. You know, kids are all, kids are at their nicest in the mornings. So, yeah. um, so uh, otherwise, you know, I, I like polish my boots. It's just it's sort of you know five or six minutes of mindless nothing. You get to think a bit. So like sort of you know standing in the shower. I find standing in the shower and have a good old think. Have a long shower. Where you just stare at the wall and yeah. you know, the water 
I think it actually just promotes thought. It's a bit I, think lots of, I think lots of ideas in the toilet and in the shower. <laughs> it's interesting. It's sort, of by, but sort of by alone by yourself and you've probably got some, especially with the water, I think it, it probably, it does, plays on your senses a, a bit. So it probably actually helps you uh, think differently. Um, otherwise, you know, no, you've got kids now, you know, it's sort of... Um, <laughs> <laughs> they dictate your, uh, your routine now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they're they're beautiful and healthy. We've got nothing but first world problems when it comes to our family, but you know, it's still awesome. still three kids under six and just running the muck. I used so, to babysit three kids under six actually. Uh, it was it was full on, man. Like it, it was energy draining and um hard work. I, I was constantly prioritizing tasks to work out how quickly I could get this done before this one. Yeah, it was a, it was hilarious, but I loved it. They're, they're great, great fun. Yeah, yeah, but that was part of it. that's it. Yeah. All right, and um, Steve, what question would you have for me? Oh, God. Um, a bit of a curveball. So you're a, um, you're a PT, you were saying before? Um, my partner's a personal trainer. I, I like to think of myself as more the, the marketing sales strategy behind the business. So um, rather than us each at this early stage trying to, um, trying to each send our energies, you know, opposite each other, we're, we're both pouring our energy into one business. Um, she's the face of it. So it's called fearless fitness. Um, and basically she's teaching people online through teachable platform, how to empower their health. So this month is all about immune boosting and healing. Uh, next month is about how to go vegan. Um, I know you're not one for, for health fads. Do that. Well, we, we, we crawled out of the caves because we ate meat. I, I, I don't understand. I, I don't understand. I truly, truly don't understand it. It, it, it is just, it's almost, I'm not making friends on this. Oh, we're, not big, we're not big on fighting people about and trying to convince them that, um, about why. I mean, if people are interested, we're happy to teach them, but um, we're, we're not massive advocates. We, we don't march in the street against animal cruelty. I mean, it is what it is. We respect people who eat meat. Um, no worries. But people are interested and they've been asking us. So what was that? Mm lions and tigers I, I just find it incredible i, I find it that we, we hold anyway so let's not go the culinary thing I'll, I won't all right all right there. anyway so we teach people every month a different topic about health and fitness uh she also provides um new workouts monthly new recipes monthly and every month she goes live in the private facebook community to answer any questions about health and and the the month that's just been so that's what we've just launched um and i'm helping with the, the business side of things with that um so what question out of that what question would i have um what do you want to achieve out of that? Why are you doing it? Uh, we want to help a thousand people through the school specifically. And in addition no, to- No, your actual reason, your real reason. That's oh, okay. Well, um, I have a health condition. So it's, um, it's a lifelong condition. So since an early age, I've been quite health aware and conscious. Um, I have never really been overweight, but she has. And I um, personally, in 2014, did a full Ironman um, with- four months of training. So I believe that um, having good health enables you to do incredible things. Uh, it's also, I believe health is, is paramount to how we live and, and uh, the quality of life. Um, I've seen loved ones who aren't so healthy die, I believe, earlier than they should because of a poor, poor health. So I really want to just get our knowledge out there on, a, on an online platform for thousands of people to access so that they can help themselves. Mm -hmm. Rather okay. than trying to attract people into a gym, which is a physical space, we can reach a lot more people online. Like you said, um, online's where it's at. We're we're really excited about that. We can also um, 
I think gyms are bugged. Right. This whole corona thing, I, I don't understand how gyms are going to get back on their feet. I mean, people are going to change their personal hygiene. I'm not saying that in a dirty way, but you know, like handshaking, for example, will that still occur? And let alone, yeah, it's hard. I think you're going to see. You know, I don't know. I think the business model for gyms is going to change. You're going to see spacing. You're going to see different types of equipment. You're going to see yeah. uh, a lot more virtual stuff. I think there'll be a lot, a lot of technology coming out about how you can sort of work out away from someone but still get like, the support of a PT or something similar. So Yeah. yeah. Well, what's interesting, Steve, is... Um, so, just in as... That's my partner. Her gym just closed, so she doesn't really have a place to go and work um, every morning and night now. But they ran a session yesterday outdoors um, and people still booking into classes physically. I think people still really love the human aspect of life. And I, I think that online has its place and I think that's great. Um, but I do also believe that the, the community is, we're all, we're, we're, tribe, we're tribal beings, we're, we're primal animals that, that work in a, in a tribe. So I do think that community is really important. That's why we're doing the monthly lives in our business. And it was really interesting to see yesterday people still showing up, of course, with the safe amount of two meters distance between each other, um, working outside. They still showed up um, um, despite everything that's going on. So it's it's very clear that community and in-person contact is important. Yeah, you look at the scene in Italy with a really, really terrible, uh, tragic scene in Italy with like, you know, military vehicles taking away coffins. Um, coffees? Coffins. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, because um, the um, the mortuaries have been overwhelmed, which is just a, it's a terrible thing to think about. So, and and that I mean, well, right now we're not feeling it yet. I mean, let's hope it doesn't get. Let's hope it stops being that bad. Italy doesn't get that bad anywhere, especially here. Yeah. But that's got to change behaviour. I mean, if if that happens, then it's like, well, okay, that's we need to reassess how we physically interact, essentially, right? Yeah. Yeah. All right. And um, finally, Steve, I'd like to ask you. Um, what, what is your legacy personally? So, um, like I said before, you're a very established and successful entrepreneur in, in Australia. Um, and what, what's the legacy that you want to leave after you're gone? Uh, I don't really have a, I mean, I, I'm not doing this in order to leave a legacy. Um, but I'd like to be, um, you know, I think if anything went to my gravestone, I'll have to be sort of um, uh, father, husband, soldier. So, you know, it's uh, uh, like brothers the- to what is a soldier to you? Say again? What is a soldier to you? What do you think of when you think of a soldier? Uh, well, I think of I think of a digger. I think of the, the, the Australian, um, you know, bronze son of Anzac. I'm not, I'm not from bronze, but you know what I mean? Um, it, yeah. it's, it's an amazing institution to be part of. It's an amazing thing. I, I proudly carried her off for this country for almost nine years. And, you know, I'd do it again if they were ever that desperate to ask me. Let's hope they have that desperate to get me back in uniform. Um, uh, you know, I, I think it's it's a, it's, a, it's an amazingly um, it's an amazing piece of public service, and it's it's, uh, it's you know, duty, honor, sacrifice, a whole bunch of things in there. It's uh, yeah, something very special. At one point in the army, there's a term digger. At one point in the army, that you you get accepted as a digger. You don't you don't you don't get it when you're soldier. You don't get it after your basic training. At some point, you're accepted as a digger. Wow. That, it's a weird thing. So um, uh, yeah, it's you know. Uh, it's, it's an honour, honour thing. Yeah, people ask me where I come from, and I left. I left Rockhampton at fifteen. So we're, you know, everyone's claiming Rockhampton's claiming Emeralds claiming Cloncurry's claiming. I'm like, you know, I'm, I grew up in the Australian Army, literally at fifteen. I, I grew, I grew up the digger. So, um, and that's why I probably, you know, at a large, you know, 
we, we still get together, have, we have, you know, Anzac Day, well, probably this year won't happen, to be honest. We'll, we'll do something on Anzac Day, I imagine. Probably, we'll probably breach some regulations, health regulations, and still hit the piss on Anzac Day. That'll be a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it, it's, yeah, the camaraderie, the, the group, the meal get there. You've just, if you've ever seen a bunch of old soldiers get together, even young soldiers, literally, you, you, you would think we're the worst enemies ever. My, they, their wives love it. They get their old friends and stuff, and we'll sit there and we'll just we'll spend the first 15 minutes insulting the living daylights out of each other. <laughs> you know, tongue in, all tongue in cheek, the whole thing. And it's just, you know, you could be, you could be best mates, but because one guy was a fitter and turner, and one guy was, a, was an infantryman type thing, and then they, they, that's a reason to have a crack at them. And it's, it's all pretty rambunctious, ribald stuff, if you know what I mean. <laughs> I, I dated a, an army guy, ex army guy. It's, um, yeah. Yeah, it's a different different life that they that they live for those years, and it's um, it teaches them a lot. And I, I really love about the military how how tight knit everybody is, and how um, I think that's how it should be. You know, um, people have their backs, each other's backs, and uh, all fighting for a common cause. I think that's great. And it's you know, it, it, there's nothing. Uh, I've I've been distressed over the last few years. You, you see a lot of this um, soft, cuddly sort of crap in our society filtering down to the army. It's not, it's just not you know, it's your job there at one point in time, you know, it's the infantry motto, you know, to seek out, close with, kill, capture the enemy, regardless of season, whether we're, you know, literally your job is to go there. And, and our job was to support those people. So it wasn't me, although we were trained in those facets, but our primary job was to do, was to, was to help repair equipment to, to service in that, in that, in that, in that, in that aim. But I mean, that's the end of the day that, you know, you're there to, you're there to enact federal government policy. Yeah. Um, diplomacy fails, you were there to bring the stick. Yeah. Um, and there's nothing soft and cuddly. There's nothing nice about that. You don't want it to happen. You're prepared to do it as opposed to wanting to do it. Yeah. Okay. So father, husband, soldier. That's what you yeah. want to be remembered for. That's nice. Mm. All right. Well, I, I personally want to thank you, Steve, for everything that you're doing for entrepreneurship in Queensland and, and uh, for startups. I think it's fantastic that, you, that you're mentoring and investing uh, in businesses and people. I think that's really cool what you do. So please keep up the good work and um, I look forward to meeting you in person. No worries. Well, yeah, it was supposed to be, wasn't it? But it uh, wasn't, wasn't to be. Um, all all the, best with your, the best with your partner's business and I hope that uh, you get through all this well and stay safe. Thank you. We will definitely. Thanks for tuning in with me as your host, Elise Grace. Do me a favor and drop me a review on iTunes or if you're watching on YouTube, please like and subscribe. Would love to know what you guys think of the podcast. It helps me keep creating killer content just like this. If you want to stay up to date with all my movements, please check me out on social media at Elise Grace.